0: Hello, you are listening to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, in our guest's home, uh, is my wife, Sarah. Hello. And also our special guest, um, our pastor for eight years, um, my boss for the same eight years, and mentor and friend, uh, Matt Nelson. Before we jump into who Matt is in the conversation, Deeply Curious is produced by Christian B. Schmidt, and associate produced by Maddie Lane, Greg, and Christy Jensen, Greg Stratton, with additional support from staff and crew members of the Jensen AV Club, with a special shout-out to Sander, who just joined us as a staff member. Thank you. If you want to learn more how you can support the show and get access to exclusive content, head over to JensenAV.club. Link to that is also in the description of the On YouTube or the uh, show notes on your podcasting app. If you're wondering where the video is on YouTube, uh, you're just listening to us now because we are on the road and (laughs) don't want to set up all the cameras and the (laughs) things. Um, So Matt, like I said, was our uh, pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, He is also uh, a husband to Lindsay and has four children and is the lead pastor of City Church. He's also the executive director of The Seed Network, which is a church planting network, and now author, speaker, and uh, all-around great guy.
1: (laughs) Best intro I've ever had in my life.
0: (laughs) Um, So we want to talk to Matt because he just wrote this book, and it's called The Beauty of the In-Between, and this is kind of your uh, life thesis, I guess, and i think that i when reading it it's definitely written to a somebody who is already a christian somebody who is following the teachings of jesus but as i was reading through it i was just like even just all of these life principles are universal it doesn't matter what you believe is you know spiritually at all the life and metaphor of david's life is like so applicable to all of us. Um, so I think to start, I would love for you to kind of just give us a uh, a synopsis of like what the book is about and then kind of, you know, what what, do you, what how you interpret each of those stages. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I definitely. I think most people, when they write a book, they try to write it out of their uh, expertise or uh, their knowledge in a particular area. I, I jokingly say that I wrote this book out of my greatest struggle instead of my expertise because... Uh, it is universal, and even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think you feel the struggle of, uh, man, just continually chasing what's next, continually looking, thinking that what I need and, and what I'm looking for is right around the corner, right? So you, you end up in this lifestyle where it, where you're at is never quite where you want to be, and it's always trying to get somewhere else, and, and I think that can steal every bit of joy from the moment, and so for me, it was really, I wrote it out of how do I learn to love the right now? Uh, not the tomorrow, not the next year, not the 10-year plan. But if you don't learn to love today, then, I mean, you get to where you're wanting to go, and it's it's just you're never content. Mm-hmm. You live in a continual state of of discontentment. And uh, I, I think I've, I've always fought that myself. And so I kind of wrote this out of my own story and some of the things that I've just discovered in that process.
0: Yeah. The book is written, Taking the Life Story of David and— Breaking it down, so give us like those uh, different seasons. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I I took three scenarios from the life of David. He's he's a really complex character in Scripture. A lot of highs and lows, but we get a a, a bigger picture of his life because there's so much content about it. And the first season of his life is really about obscurity. It's about solitude. It's uh, there's nobody around, and everything that he's doing in a pasture season of his life is um, really just him and God. And I think it's in those moments of obscurity where you really learn who you are. I, I think the clearest reflection of you and your true identity is is in when the lights are off, and there's no accolades, and um, there's no external stimulus there. You know. And I think that's what you see deeply shapes him. And the second picture is is what I call the cave. The cave moments of life are the are the moments that don't go according to plan, and those are inevitable parts of life. And it's honestly when you when you're going to experience deep brokenness in your life, um, when the 10-year plan doesn't happen, when the dream dies, uh, when what you thought it was going to look like doesn't, when the marriage ends, um, when when someone dies too soon, all, all these things that send us into a tailspin of. What is life? What is faith? What is my future look like? And then the third place is the palace. And a lot of people, honestly, when they read this book, get the palace, they they think the palace is going to be something different. It's not a place of perfection, but it's a place where and if you've really embraced the 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 obscurity and the solitude and you've really taken in um, the cave and and just processed that season of brokenness and time, um the palace is about really walking and living in what I call a place of convergence where. Man, the past and your story and everything is converged together, and you're using it uh, in a significant way in your life. And um, I think it's a place where you're at peace with who you are and where you're at, and you kind of stop the rat race, and you kind of stop the searching, and you stop the continual trying to get to the next place.
0: Yeah, the the pasture, the cave, and the palace. Right. And I I think whenever I was reading it, the I, I definitely resonated with pasture. Um, and I feel like I'm in the cave, um, or may, transitioning into the cave, like somewhere around there. Um, just thinking about just turning 30 and then, um, going through kind of a season of like existential crisis and just like really feeling like questioning life in general and just feeling like in those moments of did any of the does anything matter? Does anything that I have done matter? Does anything that I ever choose to do like matter and just feeling all of those feelings and like really resonating with the whole cave like metaphor and kind of like what he was going through and that, how you laid that out. Um, but I think that what I would love to talk about more and I, is the the first part, just the pasture. Um, because uh, you touch on this a lot in the book, but just the the pasture is something that nobody wants to think about or go through, and we're all in our American society, and maybe it's just the world at large, but in my American experience, we're all pushed and sold the idea of getting rich quick. All, all marketing and all of these like different things that are sold to us of like, if you do this, then you will finish you will like if you join this race you will eventually achieve the corner office the 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 house with the white picket fence the four kids with the you know all the things it's like this picture and we don't want to think about all of the process it takes to get there and we see that a lot um I mean even if in celebrities lives or if you listen to podcasts like how I built this or anything like that these people who we look at as successes, they always, and we even view them as like, I've never heard of them before, now they're exploding in this- Overnight success. They're this overnight success, and they're like, no, you didn't see the decades of blood, sweat, and tears I put into this thing. So on the pasture, I think this was a really good quote from the book of, I've learned that life is not some destination where we arrive or some achievement we unlock. Life is the process, the slow, unpredictable, joyous, painful, mysterious process of living. What would you say led you to learning that?
1: Yeah, I I think skipping the process a lot of times. Hmm. Why do you want to embrace something when, when you can skip that? And you can fast forward in the story. Totally. And I think a lot of us want to fast forward in the story to the to the to the good parts, to the we would rather reap the benefits than sow the seed. You know, it's it's all these things where just the process seems arduous and, and difficult and the result is what we're trying to get to. I, I, I say think. in the book, I, I call them detours in disguise. Every time you try to skip a process, you're actually creating a lot longer process. Mm. And it's one of those things that I think most people don't understand. Oh, well, if I skip this season, then I'll arrive to my destination quicker but you're skipping everything that's necessary mm-hmm. to sustain the process and to sustain the destination. You skip the process and, and you miss life, mm. right? Because it is, life is everything that happens in between. Yeah. And you miss all the joy and the pain, but that's what makes a story great. Yeah, You know, I, I think most people don't know the backstory that you mentioned. Yeah. Everybody's got a backstory, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think like, even with what Sarah and I are doing with our Careers, I guess, right now, of being on YouTube and being, um, I guess, seen for the first time by a lot of people, um, and a lot of you know the people that see us for the first time ask us, you know, they want to know, you know, how did you do that? Like, how did mm-hmm. you gain an audience? How did how did you do the things that you do, and how did you do it so quickly? And you know, in like our process, I obviously I started. Doing creative things in video whenever I was very young in school and then doing, becoming a artist in a church, a creative director, whatever I was, a designer and senior of high school, then moving two years later to Tulsa to help start City Church with you and, and the rest of the staff and doing that for eight years Yeah, in a like essentially obscurity Um, as far as the world is concerned, like I didn't feel obscure, but I can verify that you made almost nothing (laughs) (laughs) when you came. So yes. Uh, yeah, I was not making very much money and just doing the things that I felt passionate about and learning, like just learning everything and also not looking for success in, in the, uh, traditional uh, definition of success, which led me to have all of the abilities and Mostly, I would say, the confidence to go out of this, that season of my life into the next, knowing that I can, I'm capable because I'm not trying to do something and learn how to do it at the same time. It's like <laughs> I've done the learning and things and then stepping into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I This quote, I would love for you to speak more about of just remove all our external motivators, and the ability to impress, compare, and receive praise, and we find who we really are. Yeah. Um, I guess it's like, tell us more about what wh- how you think about that. Right,
1: yeah, and th- I mean, that's that question forms the base of, of your identity. Um, who you are is not who other people say you are. It's not what you accomplish or what you do, because all those things will always be in flux. Mm-hmm. They'll always go up and down. So, you know, the clearest picture of who you are is when you remove all those things and you say, okay, can I be content with with me? I think it was, I quote in the book, uh, French philosopher Blaise Pascal, who said, uh, all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact. They can't sit quietly in their own room. You you can't be alone with who you are. And until you face yourself, I always tell everybody, the hardest person you'll ever lead is yourself. Um, Until you come face to face with that and you're content with that, um, you won't really know who you are because, again, you go into the corporate world, you go into any corner of business, any, anywhere else you go, uh, yeah, people will have differing opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the people who knew who they were going into that who can stay grounded in the midst of that. Yeah. You know? And when you don't, you're going to rise in the fall on circumstances or criticism or all the other things that are inevitable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that one, I mean, that line um, really just – wraps up um, kind of like one of my life soapboxes. It says it in one sentence, what I <laughs> normally spend 20 minutes yelling about. Um, but just like the external motivators and looking for praise. And, and mostly it's, it's just the caring about what other people think about you. And that whenever we do that, we, like you say, we just, we can't find who we truly are because we're looking in a, basically a playhouse mirror Mm -hmm. and looking at what is reflected back to us by others, instead of looking at what is reflected back to us from either, you know, our internal, like who we truly are, or, you know, in our um, context, who God, who Jesus reflects that we actually are. And I, I mean, if, if anybody was to get anything out of our conversation today, I think that I would love for people to truly start questioning why they do the things that they do mm-hmm. because whenever you truly start asking why, I feel like in my experience, when I started asking why, a lot of answers came down to because so and so said I should or because I feel like the world wants me to or you know, whatever it is instead of saying like, because I feel like that's what I'd want. yeah,
1: yeah, and, and these lessons that you're talking about, it's not always based on age, but there's something about maturity and mm-hmm. growing. And and sometimes you simply have to experience this. Mm-hmm. You simply have to go out there and realize that everything that you thought was going to somehow give you that uh, sense of self-worth fell short. Totally. Yeah. And that begins to make you question the why. Oh, you know what? I, I went out there and did this, and I actually achieved it to some degree, and I'm still sitting here asking the question, mm-hmm. who am I mm-hmm. and yeah. what am I doing? And you do that enough, and it it does. It makes you begin to deconstruct this world as you as you knew it, and and try to reconstruct something that's that's better. Yeah. You know that's that has an anchor that 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 holds you to something that is unswerving and unchanging, and not just day to day or opinions of others. So yeah, yeah, I think it's beautiful. Yeah.
2: I think maybe your first experience with this is when you move out of your parents' house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you get like bombarded by all of these ideas that you thought were yours and they're really just your parents and you have to relearn what you truly believe. Mm-hmm. And I think it happens again in like twenty five to thirty, where you're like, oh, the world told me this and now I have to figure out how I fit into that. You know yeah. what I
0: mean? I mean I think for me too, the yet like yes and to what you're saying uh-huh. that I feel like I've gone through it again whenever we moved to New York City from living, well, born, raised, and lived in the Midwest um, for my entire childhood and adult life up until 27. And New York made me start to question, okay, do I believe this because it's truth or do I believe this because that is what was always told to me through the context of the Midwestern experience? Mm-hmm. And I've gone through a major deconstruction phase over the last two years of breaking down what I truly believe, especially within the context of my Christianity and in my relationship with Jesus, because um just really starting to question um, what does the bible say what does jesus specifically say um and then how does that relate to what i was taught growing up what i was taught by just the culture of living in the midwest and yeah most of the time coming out with different answers yeah
1: (laughs) and i think that's necessary i this book actually in particular i am personally passionate about helping people deconstruct i think that's necessary but also Reconstructing. I totally. think too many people deconstruct without reconstructing. Yeah. Yeah. Deconstruction that's left there usually results in cynicism. Right. Mm-hmm. Which to me is the opposite of, of joy and life. It, it's it's the cowardly way out because anybody can be a cynic. Um reconstructing is saying, you know what, I'm gonna find a more authentic way forward. Yeah. And and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna reconstruct something that's more authentically who who I am mm-hmm. and what I believe even about God or life and, and things of that nature. And so I, I that's a, a lot of this book is even even some of my journey of deconstructing But
0: reconstructing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I heard a quote from uh, Father Richard Rohr recently that he said, you cannot deconstruct something that you haven't previously constructed. Right. And if you begin to deconstruct before it's ever constructed, that's when it leads to cynicism. Um, versus being fully constructed and then able to start the deconstruction process, then that I can't believe the I I can't remember the the word he used for like uh you know basically leads you into freedom and you know uh enlightenment and things like that versus before it does lead you down to into cynicism, just being critical and which is easy to do oh, absolutely. um But I agree with you completely. That I mean I. I don't want that in my life. No, like no. just whenever, just having it's easy to be cynical. Mm-hmm. But I f- I feel my life is so much brighter and freer and less anxiety ridden whenever I'm just let it go. Yeah.
1: Well, there's a reason this book is entitled "The Beauty of the in Between." Yeah. Because y- you have to search out and find the beauty, mm-hmm. and 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 two people can see the same picture, and one find beauty, and one find the opposite. Yeah so i can be i can experience the same thing or be seeing the same thing and find a totally different
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: picture or outcome in that. and so i think part of it is realizing man brokenness is real. Uh, people betray you you will be hurt. those are inevitable parts of 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 the world that we live in, but you can also find the beautiful moments of the in between. yeah. and and some of the moments that i think some people discard or despise are actually beautiful. yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's really what i've tried to embrace. i mean here's a waiting season, here's you know, I'm in an in-between. I'm not where I want to be. I can either despise it or I can, or I can actually love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a parent, you know, I hear so many parents, so I can't wait till my kids get this old. Well, I want to love right where my kids are at. Yeah. yeah. You know, because I want, I want to find the beauty of my four-year-old right now, mm-hmm. which can be difficult. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want him just to get 12. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Because I, I love that he's four. And so it's finding the beautiful, beautiful moments in, in, you know,
0: in yeah. our life.
2: That reminds me of a quote I read online. Um, it was this mom, and she was her son was watching a ballet on TV. and she said, "Oh, what do you think of that ballet?" And he was like, "It's beautiful, but it's not for me." And it's just the idea of like recognizing that something is beautiful, but that. You know, it's you don't not have something to like you it. want forever. Yeah, yeah like, it I doesn't... think what
0: think the quote was, "It's beautiful, but I don't like it." Oh, maybe that's mm. what yeah. it
2: is. Yeah, and yeah. and it's just that idea of like, just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean there's not something wonderful about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think if you really look back on your life, probably some of the most painful moments you've ever gone through, uh, they breed the greatest. Totally. I mean, character traits, mm-hmm. perseverance, patience, all, all of the. I think the 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 these traits that honestly lead to joy and peace and life are are produced in those moments mm-hmm. and it's easy to miss them.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah.
0: On the subject of uh, cynicism that we were having a conversation about deconstructing and becoming a cynic um, with some friends recently. And we see a lot of people, especially around the 30 age group, like the 25 to 30 is that I think it's a natural Thing to go through deconstruction, um, and like you mentioned, you either come out, you know, a cynic, or or you come out like with seeing the beauty in it all. And I think a lot of it um, stems from whether you are okay with uh, not understanding. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people, whenever they go into cynicism, it's because they cannot understand. And a quote that I heard recently that I just really encapsulates how i feel about it is um the limits of knowledge do not stop at the limits of human understanding mm-hmm. and i think that that is where being a cynic you know where you can avoid being a cynic is being okay with like there just because our understanding stops doesn't mean that knowledge stops mm-hmm. and you know there are a lot there are things that I cannot reconcile in the world, in faith, in God, and absolutely. even who Jesus, you know, was. Like, there's just things that it's like if I am just looking at it through the way I can understand, then I would be like, I can't do this. Like, I'm pushing it away. This, this is not for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I understand that knowledge is much greater than my understanding, then I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, there's a whole section that I write about just the word mystery and how it wasn't a word in my vocabulary growing up. Cause even in my Christian circles, of evangelical world, it everything was black and white. Everything had an answer. Even if we didn't have an answer, we made it up on the spot. We mm-hmm. put spiritual jargon to make it slide down easier. And so there was no mystery or faith. And yet I began to read on my own and discover my own understanding of God. And I realized this word mystery is spoken all throughout scripture. And it's, it's something too great to be known to us that sometimes is revealed to us and sometimes is not. Mm-hmm. And so we have to lean into this idea that there are things beyond us. And honestly, I, I think that is, opens us up to understanding beauty around us. Yeah. You know, when we realize we're finite
2: mm-hmm. and
1: we're limited and we're okay with that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I, and, I've, and I've come to grips with it.
2: Yeah. I think it like understanding that you're a very small piece of the universe is like a really beautiful feeling. Right. Like your problems aren't as big as they seem and everyone else is feeling the exact same things that you are. And that's wonderful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just contentment. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a, I feel like almost becoming a cliche like these days of just like, (laughs) you know, happiness is contentment, but that's because I think more, more people are finding truth in that the truth is that happiness is really in the contentment of, Mm -hmm. of just where you are And that if you're content with who you are, where you are, what you have, that is what brings happiness versus chasing the palace instead of embracing the pasture or embracing the cave wherever you're at.
1: That's why, you know, I I feel like we have a generation now that there's so many you know, the most of the people I lead are millennials, uh, or, or you're even younger than that. And mm-hmm. I think that there's just this obsession with it mm-hmm. of, of arriving in the palace and I'll do whatever it takes to get there. And kind of this reality, like, Hey, you could be in the palace and you wouldn't even know it's the palace. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. If you don't embrace, if you don't embrace the steps along the way and and the character development and the process, then nothing will ever be enough. And everything you've ever wanted could be right on your doorstep and you wouldn't even be able to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah so we always think we're one big step or one break away, and yet it's elusive. Mm-hmm. you know it's always it's always moving because we're we're never able to grab onto it, yeah, you know, and I think that's one of the things in life you realize, okay, it's not about this happening, it's about today mm-hmm. and the choice that I make and how I want to live right now, yeah, you know,
2: I think that kind of mindset and ideal also makes us kind of um freeze into not making decisions too like we want the end thing so bad that we don't want to screw it up so we like kind of like sit back and like wait to make a decision and then you make no decision and then you're just kind of stuck
1: right at least or or that your one decision is is going to like
2: ruin everything yeah yeah it's
1: black and white it's one way is going to be everything you wanted and one Mm -hmm. it's going to be destruction exactly Mm -hmm. when rarely rarely is, is it ever that
2: and it's it's also easy to forget, we're talking about like overnight success, right? It's easy to forget that not one single path looks like another. Mm. And so like you're thinking like, okay, they did this to get there. That's what I need to, to get there. And it's it's not at all.
0: I mean, absolutely. and there's multi-million dollar industry built around that. That yeah. these people who have found success, they write down step by step how they got there or they create a course, how they got there, you know, create an entire... Uh, franchise around how they got there and rarely do you see somebody like I followed step by step exactly how this person you know achieved the success and they can replicate it because the path is only one part of the end
2: Mm -hmm. you still
0: have that person's entire life journey who they are and where they came from and the the mindset it's only ones like the actual path that you walked down was only one part yeah yeah which is, um, yeah. I
2: think, <laughs> the beauty of the in-between. That's like the the beautiful thing of that idea is like learning that like your path is your path and where you are is where you're supposed to be. Mm. And like you can be okay with that and understand you're not falling behind.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's it. I, obviously in my world, I have a really good friend of mine who's, who's a pastor and he's incredible at what he does. And I, I share his story in the book, but you know, all of his dreams, he'd worked so hard. He started this, you know, nonprofit and church and organization that grew so rapidly. He had so much success. And in 13 years, they had really blown away everybody else Mm -hmm. in their industry that was like them. And just um, what they had done in their city was next to none. And I'm sitting at a table with him one day and he just says, you know, here I am. And there's this overwhelming sense of dissatisfaction that I can't deal with, Mm -hmm. you know? And he had been pushing so hard for so long nonstop that finally you get there and everything that you've been pushing so hard for falls short yeah that's a wake-up call you know because i think all of us have an idea of like you know if i could just get to this point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether in my career or life or whatever it may be and for to hear him say that is just was a was a reality check for me like okay man that thing that i desire ultimately won't fulfill Mm -hmm. everything. There's gotta be something more than that, you know? And so what am I doing today? You know, am I loving the people I'm with today and the community that I have and the place that I'm in and not all the places that I desire to
0: be in, you know? Yeah, Yeah. totally. I think that really just comes down to like asking the question of, am I participating in a race that is even worth winning? Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like most of the time the answer is no like where culture has told us to, you know, join the race, get in there and and start running. But when you look at people who have quote unquote won the race, I feel like they have so many similar stories to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and I think honestly, people misunderstand even Christianity in the life of Jesus, because Jesus would tell stories saying, Hey, you're walking along doing whatever you're doing. And there's a man that's beaten over here Mm -hmm. laying on the corner so life is about stopping to loving the people that are in your life today. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's about stopping and and giving your life away and and doing the little things. It's not about wherever he was supposed to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. like we don't even know where he was going. Yeah, we just know that he had an opportunity today to, to love somebody, and I think we find deep joy in in those little things that may not be a part of your ten year plan. But who cares?
2: Yeah,
0: you know, totally.
1: Like you can do that
0: right now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean. I- One part um, in the book that I would love for you to talk more about is, and and here's a quote to kind of kick it off of, um, I couldn't embrace the right now if I was obsessed with the future. And I think you talk a lot about future addicts and how we're all future addicts. I guess the question is, talk more about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I'm definitely, I'm still recovering, <laughs> future addict, and I would say clarity addict. Um, just wanting to know mm. always. Yeah. You know the next ten steps, and then just always thinking. And I'm, I'm a future thinker by nature, and I, I think that can be a good thing. I, I think that that's mm-hmm. something that can be. I'm a strategic planner. I like to, I like to problem solve for the future, uh, even organizationally. But I, I think it can become too much. You know, I can, I think it can overwhelm you where you're always thinking about that at the expense of, of now, yeah, you know? And so it's, it's about holding those things
0: in tension, mm-hmm. like so many other things and, and finding a healthy balance. Yeah. I, I think probably from 20 to 28, um, <laughs> I was hardcore, like a future addict, um, constantly thinking about the future. And I was always thinking about, my business in the context of like what i'm doing in the future like how i'm building it and then what's my next thing what's the next business how i'm going to make more money what the next year is going to bring and um i remember like sarah and i with uh a few other friends were in like a uh, goal planning like kind of group i guess Mm -hmm. and while it my goal like they were like, what, what five year plan. And I'm like, okay, five years, my plan is to make a million dollars. So how do I break the million dollars down to make it? And <laughs> it's like, just obsessed with like getting that. And it's funny just how far I am from that now. Right. And just really embracing and just thinking about the, none of that matters. Yeah.
1: They've actually done a lot of studies on this, and it, it's pretty remarkable to, to find the questions that people ask in their 20s compared to what the questions are asking in their mm-hmm. 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. And I, I think life just teaches you that. And, and in the 20s, it is. Um, it's all about achievement and, and what I need to go do because your life is before you. So you're, you're always about the future.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think by the, your 30s, you begin to experience some disappointments and setbacks, mm-hmm. which make you reevaluate. Mm-hmm. like what is priority and what am i really going after and then the questions you begin to ask as as you get older are more about quality of life and and mm-hmm. legacy mm-hmm. and things that matter and less about just this desire to go out and 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 do it all mm-hmm. totally. you know and achieve anything so
0: i think some of it too is that we're sold that you have to make it by 26, 27. Yeah, And w- the people that are praised, the people that are uh, lifted up on the pedestals, on the magazine covers, on mm-hmm. the documentaries, you know, everything, it's they have made it by 25. and the the, the top 40 billboard you know artists are like, she's only 17, and we are sold this idea that if you haven't made it, by 30, then you aren't going to. You are
2: irrelevant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And
1: I I think I I mentioned this in the book. I I actually feel um, my heart goes out when I see young people who achieve so much notoriety and fame at such a young age Mm -hmm. because they haven't had time to develop the qualities Mm -hmm. that sustain that or the qualities that actually lead to joy. Because just because someone knows you or you achieve something great does not mean you're living content at all mm-hmm. and so sometimes we see you know a young athlete or a young uh, musician or you know movie star or something like that who, who does something um is in in the public eye for something they've done wrong and, and honestly it, i feel heartbroken mm-hmm. yeah said man if you would have put a camera on me at 16 mm-hmm. right like, Could you imagine yeah man i would have done dumb dumb things right. you know
0: not only a camera but a million
1: eyeballs absolutely yeah yeah, because those are characteristics that haven't had time to fully develop and here mm-hmm. everything's been given to mm-hmm. you, but some of the things that you've actually needed the most, you haven't had the opportunity right? Mm-hmm. and the time and the things, you know, we think, oh, if I just got the external things, but man, that we've learned, it doesn't lead to, to, to contentment or joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that only comes from deep within of, mm-hmm. again, going back to identity of knowing who you are. Right. Yeah. At 16, it's hard to know who you are. Yeah. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. it's impo-
0: I mean, it's impossible yeah. to know by 25. I mean, it's yeah. just, you that, can't.
1: That doesn't mean these people, I mean, I look at athletes all the time. You're incredibly gifted. Right. You have this amazing gift that God's given you, but you haven't had time to develop everything that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You know. I mean, Justin Bieber, I think, is a great example currently because obviously he went through like right. an insane kind of couple of years, and then he's taken, what, four years of doing nothing, learning yeah. the characteristics. He's like stepped away from the public to, because he had mentors around him who said like, okay, this is what you need. And right. so that's what he's done. Yeah, And I think like it's it's very evident if you gain fame or whatever yeah. too soon. I, it's sad, it really is. Cause you just, you don't have the time to develop nor does anybody give you the time to develop. And it's just- Yeah, cause
0: everybody's trying to make a dollar off of you.
2: Everyone's trying to make a dollar. Right.
0: Yeah, and you've
1: seen in his personal life from from what I've seen, he's drawn people close to him that do care about him Mm -hmm. and are trying to lead him and mentor him now. Yeah. And yeah, that's things that he – yeah,
0: He wasn't able to develop right yeah. until now. But yeah. we, we all of us scrutinized his life whenever he was 19 sure. years old. Oh, totally! Had this worldwide platform, and then whenever he does, you know, something stupid that all 19 year olds do, we're like, You're supposed to be a Christian, right? Or it's even like, you're uh,
2: supposed to be a role model for right. others. It's like, Is he though? Like, why are we sh- forcing him
0: into that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because
1: you have this amazing gift in one area, you should be fully developed right? exactly. every other area yeah. of yeah. your life,
0: yeah. exactly. <laughs> and it, it's, it just comes at, like the metaphor of just a foundation. Like, like he, yeah. the, you are, it's like throwing down a prefab house in the dirt and saying, look how beautiful it is. And then immediately stress testing it.
2: Like yeah. we yeah.
0: just start stress test, stress testing it and putting all this weight on it mm-hmm. and seeing if it'll crumble. But we didn't do any of the legwork to actually build up a foundation to make it stand. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a perfect, like kind of segue into one part of the book that I really enjoyed of how you talked about that in leadership and how, you know all leaders who get given this like tremendous success early and you know you you skip the pasture even skip the cave and you know you're in the palace and you're leading people um like you're handed these things without having those stress tests Mm -hmm. and then how do you expect basically to be able to lead people through their stresses and, and also be given the tests of what it means to truly have an audience or to truly lead people? Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think, I
1: think leadership reveals Mm -hmm. what's either there or what's lacking. And I think so many people think when they step into notoriety, fame, leadership, um, you know, in in front of people that somehow they'll develop or attained, The characteristics that are necessary, but it's just not that's never been proven. It it reveals what's there, what's lacking. And so I think what you see is is people who have not embraced the process who get put in places of leadership. It's amazing because I've shifted so much in my understanding of people that I follow. I I used to follow people who um, maybe were the flashiest or had the best content or seemed to achieve the most. And I I honestly, I'm at a place in my life where I'm drawn to people who have been through the cave Mm -hmm. and deep brokenness and have come out the other side with a deeper understanding of the beauty of God's creation and a love of life. And they learn how to rest Mm -hmm. more. And uh, all the things that I think maybe are not are as flashy Mm -hmm. (laughs) or as praised. But um, man, I I, I realize those are the characteristics I really desire more than anything. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not flashy to be like, oh, we need to rest. I yeah. mean, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's not flashy, but I it is the way to sustain life. And I think I, that's maybe my soapbox is rest. I don't think enough people know how to do it or even care about doing it. Like, there's a reason where culture is teaching us not to sleep and, you know, whatever, just fuel yourself with coffee. And like, that's not, you can only go so far. Absolutely, And your body can only go so far. And I just think that we need to learn how to rest.
1: <laughs> well, I, I guarantee you, you cannot find the beauty of life or the in-between if you yeah. don't learn how to rest. Yeah. Yeah, because it will always it will always be about what's next and running and never stopping.
2: Yeah. There was um, a Mary Oliver quote in one of her poems, but it says, what do you plan to do with your one wild and precious life or whatever? And a lot of people uh, used to use that quote out of context, like saying, like, you should go do something crazy with your life. And I read online, someone was like, just as a reminder, she chose to sit in nature and look at flowers with her life. Like, that's what she chose, was to notice and write about flowers. And I think that's kind of the idea. It's like, it's not about the rat race in whatever you want to say. It's about noticing life.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I tell a funny story of, you know, a young person that I knew in, in the in the book who like they're visiting the Grand Canyon and they're on Instagram about their buddy who's at Walmart. You know, it's <laughs> like you can be in the midst of mm-hmm. beauty all around you and 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 not see it. Yeah, You're just focused on something else or, you know, we,
2: we were at a museum in D.C. last week and there is this I don't know, he was probably like 17 um, we were walking through the museum, and he was just like walking up to a photo or to a painting, taking a photo. Next one, taking a photo. Yeah. Next, not even looking at the actual painting. Right. And I was like, "You, what is that?"
1: Yeah, you want to stop him just for a second and say, "Hey, let, let me get. tell you what this is yeah. all about."
2: Yeah. Can you please just just look at it? Right, because this is better than your photos going to be.
0: Yeah, and also if you only if you only want to see a photo, you don't need to be here you right just now. Google yeah. it. Yeah. 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 It was also funny, I think it was in that, we were also in DC, my, my dad was looking, we were like looking at this FBI exhibit and there was this uh, bombed out car yeah. and uh, we were sitting there looking at it. My dad was standing next to us watching a video, like kind of ex- explaining what it was about. And then one of the videos done, I was like, well, look inside there. And he was like, I saw it. And I was like, you saw inside? He's like, oh, I saw it on the video. I'm like, well, if you step two steps to the right, you will see it in real life.
2: <laughs> you see the actual car.
0: <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> but um, it's
2: true, just like yeah. not, yeah. we're just so in our phones so we don't notice the, right. the real things around us.
0: Um, I think that in, here's a, a quote like from uh, the book that I think it was really good about the leaders and a leader who is not broken, who has not fully embraced God's process will ultimately sell out when pressure is applied. They will begin believing that partial obedience is the same as complete obedience. They will allow their pride and the idols occupying the throne of their hearts to ultimately win out. And I think that's just something to really let like sink in of that when we've, regardless if it's a leadership um, position, or if it's just finding success with an audience or finding success in general, if you get there um, and you haven't been broken before you get there, that you, you do truly like think like this partial obedience in your life, it, it means the same thing as, as fully like embracing and fully being obedient. And I, I think the line of they will allow their pride and the idols occupying the throne of their hearts to ultimately went out. And I mean, there's so many examples of, you know, public figures, politi- political leaders, you know, who have these obvious pride and obvious idols in their heart that is dictating how they're leading, how they are uh, mm-hmm. going about using their influence versus using their influence to showcase their brokenness. And I... I I feel like the people who, and we also for some reason are drawn to them, like like the world at large, like are drawn to those leaders versus people who are truly broken and humble people.
2: Well, I think it reminds me of um, the idea of don't meet your heroes, you know, because mm. they'll disappoint you. Mm-hmm. And I've always subscribe to the idea that you should meet your heroes to learn that they're just human beings like everybody else. I think this is kind of it too, like as leaders, as influencers, as whatever, like if you can embrace the fact that you are imperfect and broken and that everybody else is imperfect and broken, then vulnerability and like real authenticity has a chance to shine.
1: Yeah. I love that perspective. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that go into that thinking that, um, you know, the people that I love and respect the most, there is this kind of, you see them from, from a veiled perspective and mm-hmm. you don't see their whole life. And then when you do see, you know, you go behind the scenes and you peek behind the curtain, you don't always like what you see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, in the in the book, I it's a leadership lesson between David and Saul and two very gifted leaders that had very different outcomes in, in the Bible. And I do talk about that, just the difference between the two is when, you know, Saul was obsessed with his position and arriving at a certain place. And whatever it took to get there, he was willing to do, Mm -hmm. whether he had to compromise his own values and beliefs or obedience to God. Uh, David willingly took the longer route Mm -hmm. because the goal was not just arriving to the palace, but it was how. And I think that's significant. Mm -hmm. It's he added actually f- at least we know of 15 years to his journey. Mm. I mean, how many of us would say, hey, you know what? I want to add 15 years, <laughs> you know, uh, on the run. You as say 15 future. minutes? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, we,
1: we, we wouldn't give it 15 minutes. I think that's so significant. Yeah. You know, I think that's one thing that set him apart as a leader is, you know, in God's economy and God's way of promotion, God was not just looking for the most talented.
0: Mm-hmm. Talented
1: people are everywhere, broken people are hard to find. Mm. Yeah people who have gone through deep brokenness living fully surrendered and saying man there's nothing in me that's not fully fully Mm -hmm. yours and i think that's what made made david different that's why saul was a king ultimately that was rejected um so much pride you know my way Mm -hmm. and and david was accepted um even though it took him a lot longer to get there yeah
2: Yeah.
0: um the idea of success is something you talk about a lot um Mm -hmm. i think and i think that's I mean, I think I feel like that's such one of the things that resonated with me like so much reading it. One because I, I've have seen it in my own life, but then I just see it around me so much. of just, and probably because it's part of my soapbox and it kind of um, just <laughs> told me what I wanted to hear. But the <laughs> um, just the idea of success and. I think this kind of uh, quote of success, however, is an elusive term. It's elusive in that there is no benchmark to adequately define it. And when it is defined, it's usually done by others. Totally. And I love that because it's so true that our definition of success normally isn't our hmm. definition of success. Um, in your life, what would you say like, ha- what, what was a transition of of moving from other people's definition of success to finding your own?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's been a long process and one that I'm still I'm still not there because I, you know, I'm competitive by nature. Mm-hmm. Um I, I'm someone who's highly driven. And so and I, I just naturally like I, I wanna do better. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to do more. And so that's a continual drive and and I realize very quickly that um most of the time it's always based off comparison mm-hmm. because that's where we arrive at who's doing it and who's not. You know, someone's always gonna do it better. <laughs> yeah. Someone's always gonna be more talented, you know? And I think there comes to a place where, you know, you can be successful and it's not even viewed as success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I, I wrote this in the book, you know, if you had told me 10 years ago what I'm able to do today, you know, 10 years ago, Matt would have been overjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here I am mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, what, what's the next 10 years? Where mm-hmm. are we gonna go? What do we need to do? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's, and so it's always elusive. And it's subjective, yeah. You know, to so many other opinions. And so I, I think, you know, getting down to like, man, what do I value? Like what are my core values and what do I truly value? And what is the ultimate legacy that I want to leave? And then basing success off of of those things. Mm-hmm. And not the opinions of others, or not trying to outdo somebody else, mm-hmm. you know. But also finding my unique contribution mm-hmm. instead of being, you know, trying to repeat what someone else is doing. Like, man, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, you know.
0: I uh, that reminded me of just like a, a couple of years ago when we were very first starting YouTube. We were consistently getting 250 views per video, and I was always like so like really happy when I would see oh, 250 views. I'd be like, well, oh great, that video got to 250, and then something happened and two videos got a thousand views and then I was always disappointed with less than a thousand right <laughs> for months yeah I was perfectly happy with 250. it increases four times the rate right twice and then I'm like oh man yeah, it, only, on, got it only got 900 and <laughs> like that's still so many more than just last week but I was already disappointed yeah. that it didn't like reach the new benchmark
1: yeah yeah you, you got that one little hit of joy for a Split second
0: when you got a thousand mm-hmm. and yeah. then it was gone. Yeah. yeah. And then automatically you transition into mm-hmm. what's next. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, especially in our industry is the the danger of these new media jobs is that you are given instantaneous, finite data mm-hmm. that you can scrutinize over day in, day out and constantly have new benchmarks to meet and all of the numbers of new media most of the time have nothing to do with you and everything to do with a machine whether or not the algorithms of of these these things like push content or don't push content or Mm -hmm. whether or not you know people are are, you know out that Mm -hmm. day you know it has nothing to do with you but it really feels personal yeah whenever these things are right there in front of your face on our analytical dashboards <laughs> and you can see day, well, minute, minute. by minute, <laughs> the the uh, line graph going up and down. And so I think that uh, millennials and, and Generation Z is like, we're so bombarded by not only our own internal, like wanting and need, you know, looking for recognition, looking for all of these things, like Instagram and Twitter and YouTube are serving us tools to measure ourselves against others that give us daily anxieties and daily, yeah. you know, uh, I guess failures of of what we think is success. Yeah, and it's just that it's dangerous. Yeah, it, it it breeding this again. We've got, said this several times
1: in this conversation. But breeding a deep seated discontentment that now we're trying to figure out what to do with and why it's here. Yeah, it's because everything around us tells us that it's not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and it it is. It's so. Like ingrained and hardwired now into everything that we see, that it's just so natural. And I I realize it's every industry, no matter what you do. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, I could be in a group of pastors right here, and they would be telling you that they love seeing other churches succeed, and at the same time, you know, Mm -hmm. they're comparing what are you doing, what am I doing? I'm not enough. You you run more than I do. Mm -hmm. It's just it it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Yeah, there's always a tendency to look around you, and then to find success by your peers
0: or those you follow or those who you aspire to be. Yeah. Yeah. How, I mean, it's not a quick answer, but wh- how do we break that cycle?
1: Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I don't think it's easy. Um, I, I think, you know, alluding to what we were talking about earlier, I think you do have to step out of, of what we call the rat race or just what everybody else is doing. And uh, to me, you, you you have to develop new rhythms in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're constantly connected, if you're constantly looking at those things, I, I think solitude, I think rest, uh, whether you call it prayer or, or meditation, whatever you do, times where, man, you root yourself back in, in your identity and who you are and not externally based, not what's happened around you, not your performance. Um, I, I, I think, man, the people you surround yourself with is something else that grounds you mm-hmm. and real genuine community with other people who love you not for what you do or not what you give them but for who you are Mm -hmm. Uh, i think all those things ground you back into the hey this is who i am and not again what i do or how i perform yeah Um, those are all i mean and there's more than that but Mm -hmm. those are a few that help me
2: i think um self-awareness like we talk about all the time like reflection and self-awareness are just like so key because if you aren't capable of even asking yourself like what are my values or why am I doing what I'm doing? Like you're never going to get, you're never going to understand anything. And like so many of us are so in the systems that, you know, we're just thrown in that we don't even stop and realize we're not asking those questions. Like we're literally just going along. And so I think that's where like rest and solitude and and reflection come in because if you don't do that, you'll never even think to ask the questions. Yeah. You know,
0: I think that that, um, the really good examples we just recently were given of that is uh, David Letterman's new um, show uh, on Netflix. Uh, the my interview next show. Guest. Um, uh, my next guest needs no introduction. He talks to Howard Stern, and both David Letterman and Howard Stern talk about how because they were in this cycle of daily of you know David Letterman had to do the show f- five days a week, and Howard Stern had to do a show like seven days a week. And it wasn't until decades later that they stopped. That they realized, I don't even want to do this. Yeah. Because they took like not even that much time. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I can't. They didn't say specifically, but let's just say it was a month. Like a month away in away from it all, and not truly not having it to realize I should have left a long time ago. Like none of like it when we don't seek out solitude and rest we can never find that yeah Yeah. it's so funny that you bring that up because i'll watch the you know
1: tonight show and i'll watch these shows and that's the first thing that i always think about i'm like don't you get sick of that Mm -hmm. doing that every night yeah you know it's amazing your your greatest dream can turn into your worst nightmare yeah so quickly uh if your heart is not slowed if there is not moments and times to retreat and what we would call in a biblical term, Sabbath, is, is is it's renewing activities, things that renew you. You can't go back and do the things that you're supposed to do well. Mm-hmm. Anything that you love, you will end up hating. Yeah. Because you are hardwired, I would say, God designed and created to to rest. It's And in that is incredible joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we were designed to do. Now we live in a world where we're never disconnected. We never stop. We never really put it down. Our hearts are so busy and our our lives are so fast, even if we did stop, we wouldn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that breeds the discontentment that's already there, that's already lingering. It breeds this mentality of, I've gotta do a little bit more, I've gotta be better. Um, That's one of the greatest blessings, but also challenges in my life, just to stop, to slow. I have one full day now where I never check my email, I'm Mm. with my family, I'm not responding to calls. Um, that's one full day, and then I try to find other times throughout the week. And if I don't protect those, something steals them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if I'm gonna do what I'm called to do at the highest level and do it consistently, that's the number one time I gotta protect. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, if if you want to look at the life of Jesus, you see Jesus would leave crowds of people all the time yeah. to go away, and he knew that if he didn't get away to be alone, he wouldn't go, be able to
0: go back and do what he
1: was called to do. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a powerful principle that um is something that sarah and i have implemented in our life of like a full sabbath day mm-hmm. a full day of no technology and it, it's not about the technology it's just about the rest yeah and you cannot rest if you're engaging in te- technology because even right? if
2: you're doing it passively mm-hmm. you're not like doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're resting which yeah. is like renewing and reflecting yeah. and all of that stuff
1: i, I mean i i have a a love for the Jewish faith because of Mm -hmm. the history. I'm not a Jew, but every time I go to Israel and I have Jewish friends, I will tell you their rest and and Sabbath renewal. I come back to America every time jealous.
2: Yeah. Mm.
1: The times that they get to spend with their family and the beauty of just stopping and getting away from technology is Mm -hmm. something we would look and say, man, you guys have to do that. It's forced upon you. And they would say, no, it's our greatest joy. Yeah. And look what it's produced conversations that otherwise we wouldn't have. Um, relationships that we Mm -hmm. were neglected. And I almost come back feeling jealous. Yeah. From that. I think
2: that about um even just in the small example of vacations and like how Europeans vacation versus how Americans vacation. That's right. Um we actually interviewed a psychologist on the show, Doctor Sof. She's from England and we were telling her we were doing a road trip to Portland and she was like oh how long are you taking we're like oh like you know three three and a half weeks and she's like okay so like a real holiday all you Americans take like four days off and that is that's nothing that's not a vacation and it's just funny even in that little bit the different mindset that Absolutely. Actually taking time off means. What, what do they
1: say? Most Americans don't
0: even use all their vacation days. Right. Yeah. The two weeks that they have. Right. Yeah. And it's the two weeks that aren't even uh, by law. The, the, it's They're customary not. for a job to give you two weeks. Right. But the United States government guarantees you zero days. Yeah.
2: And most people don't use the two weeks that they have. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because it, we are in a culture that for some reason we've shifted from looking at people who get to take all their time off and we're like oh man what do they do man they get so much time off they get to go do these things mm-hmm. but now to show that we are successful we say oh yeah i def- i work 7 days a week i, I probably sleep 4 to- 4 hours a night um you know because yeah. I'm, I'm i'm because i'm so, so productive busy. i'm so busy i'm so successful right. and it's like I I don't want your life, so I'd rather just not be successful. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't want to follow that person. Yeah. 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 If you told
1: me that immediately, I I probably would check out on Mm -hmm. everything else you have to say. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's impossible not to get uh, just get totally consumed with that lifestyle Mm -hmm. and and trying to produce.
0: Yeah, and I that's one thing that I think is hard to find is you know we could go through dozens of names of people in the. Business world, you know, whatever online and just success gurus mm-hmm. that everybody kind of gets behind and follows and looks for for motivation. But most of their lives are lives that I do not want to emulate. Right. And I, I wish we could, I would love for there to be people in that sphere that we can look to, of like, that's the life I want to emulate. Yeah. And there are yeah. people who are truly displaying rest and displaying community and displaying valuing protecting family time and also Mm -hmm. have a successful career and and i i I had this conversation the other day because
1: you know i grew up in a house with a dad who built a fortune 500 company that you know really changed the landscape of financial banking industry in the 90s and i can't remember him ever missing a baseball game of mine
2: yeah And,
1: and i asked him that the other day i was like how in the world Did Mm -hmm. you do that? You know, and just this ability to lead this large corporation and simultaneously as a kid, never remembering him not being there. Yeah. And I look back and I'm like, man, I just didn't realize I do now. Yeah. How big that was. Mm -hmm. Like, and he'd probably tell you today, the thing that he's never been good at is having hobbies and leisurely (laughs) activities. You know, like he needs things to help him relax. But man, he just valued that. Mm -hmm. And so having boundaries and it's not about not working hard because he's one of the hardest workers I've ever known. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, having the boundaries of saying what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. Yeah. And turning it off when you have turn it off, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think the hours, the amount of hours you work don't show that you're a hard worker. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like That's not what it's about.
0: Like you impress me so much more whenever you say, I work four days a week and And I I, I, like- and I'm able to do all the things I want to do. And I'm like, yeah, that's like, yeah. wow. Amazing.
1: Yeah. I, I had to make a shift even for me because we had offices for a long time. And uh, when I had an office, I felt like I had to be there. Mm. And I realized that I was more of a slave to the space than I was using my time wisely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that if I, you know, really set my schedule like I needed to, that I developed the routines of when I work hard and when I rest well and when I need to be there and when I don't. You know, and just those rhythms alone saying, okay, no one's telling you you have to be here. You know, unless Mm -hmm. you've got office hours, unless you're required to show up at a certain time. If you have flexibility of your schedule,
0: maximize it.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: totally. Utilize it that that allows you to be at your best at all times.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so last question. Okay. Um, How has being the world famous titty pastor Mm -hmm. impacted (laughs) your career?
1: I was about to say earlier, your YouTube video that really took you to the next level <laughs> was that one. Yeah, to this day, it's been like nine years.
0: Yeah. You're like, oh, I remember that video. I'm like, yeah. For those uh, who are unaware, well, let's, let's get this viral again. That's mm. right. Um, my very first viral video before we did any sort of YouTube stuff was just a clip that I pulled from uh, one of our church services where Pastor Matt had uh, just a little, um, tongue twister flub, Mm -hmm. Uh, Freudian slip there, Freudian slip, uh, Freudian nip slip, as some would say, uh, of just trying um, to say the word city and accidentally saying the word titty. Yeah. Um, Yeah. To
1: my benefit, the message was about sex overall, so I was in context. Yeah.
0: But then you followed that up with the media pastor, Cody is going to rail me on that. Um, So...
1: Uh, if, if I don't really have time to go into all the background, but if you if you study the the background of ancient Corinth, it, it was a, it was a titty, uh, excuse me, yeah, sexual elephant. <laughs> it was a city. <laughs> oh man, Cody, our media guy is going to rail me on that.
0: You know, you live and you learn, yeah. um, which I think we could fall in that with, uh, Uh, another quote from your book of not everyone can identify with your success, but everyone can identify with our struggle. Absolutely. So, you know, sometimes you have have to look back at our failures so people can identify with us because we know it's very easy to look at pastor Matt's uh, successes and all the things he's doing right. But you know, so it's great to be able to identify with at least one failure. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, For sure. Um, The, the book is called the beauty of the in-between You can get it on Amazon right now, um, and the link will also be in the show notes in the description. Is there anything um, that you would like to, you know, a message or or something that you would like to get out um, regarding it?
1: Yeah, I think overall is, man, find the beauty of where you're situated right now. And if you look hard enough, it's there. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's so hard when we're looking other places, but man, when you find that, it's amazing uh, how life changes.
0: So yeah, yeah. I Good. want to encourage you in that. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to Deeply Curious again. Um, it is the beauty of the in-between by Matt Nelson, Matthew Nelson um, on the Amazon, <laughs> the official author and name Matthew Nelson um, beauty of the in-between. Get it now at, amazon.com link is in the show notes in the description Um, also thank you to all of our members of the jensen av club if you want uh deeper access exclusive content to what we're doing here at deeply curious um you can check that out by going to jensen Club. thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week
2: bye